Well, week five of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case is behind us. I am recording this before week six starts, but this will drop in the middle of week six. So I'll give you a little bit of what I'm expecting in week six, and then we'll be able to treat it just like a time capsule and see what Emily thought and what has possibly happened. This week felt like a lot, like through the last two days of trial, it felt like a sprint through video depositions, just rapid fire video depositions, some 20 minutes, some 11 minutes. And we ended the week with a strong time advantage for team depth. So I'm going to let you know in today's episode, what is coming up in week six, what I expect closing arguments to look like structurally, uh, not substance wise though, it'll probably come up as we talk about what happened in week five, about what I think may be arguing points for closing what happened in week five. And again, this is not everything that happened. This is a summary of the evidence that came in and some of the moments that social media is talking about. Because again, this case has captivated everyone. Everyone is just like, I'm invested now. I want to know what's happening. I'm in. I want to know. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it on my YouTube channel. I'm seeing it on this podcast. I'm seeing it because the podcast is charting in like top 50 and 60 countries. It's been amazing. The support's been amazing. And thank you for trusting me to help break this down from my perspective and how I see it and trying to parse out what might matter uh, to the jury, what might matter to the lawyers and what we want to talk about. And those sometimes are three different things. We'll talk a little bit about the headlines and what's happening in court, still diverging quite substantially. And that's always an interesting thing to watch happen. So with that, we should get right into it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a lawnard. Let's just let podcast. Hey there. Welcome to the Emily show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Are you absolutely ready to be blown away? Well, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has got you. Men and women alike have been asking for this, and our friends at Manscaped have finally relaunched the Ultra Smooth Package. That's right. The Ultra Smooth Package is back, baby. This is your new favorite tool and complement to the lawnmower for to get that smooth shave and finish you've been looking for. This is a specialized kit to shave the hair down there and reduce your risk of ingrowns. This will crop your bush right to the root if that's what you are looking for. Yes, it sure will. So just use your lawnmower four and then grab your ultra smooth package to get the closest shave possible. Step one, crop exfoliator. It's infused with ingredients to help soothe and clear the skin and exfoliate which is going to reduce the ingrown hairs down there. Then grab your crop gel. It is specifically made for shaving down there. It is a unique clear gel just for your special bits. Then the crop shaver is designed specifically for your hair down there. It is not your normal razor. It's smaller, 
but it's thicker. And it has a micro comb bar. It is made with extra wide lubricating strips so that you do not hurt yourself while you are shaving down there. Best possible shave from any angle. Super easy to hold, nice and grippy, and made especially for you. Easy to keep in the shower. Just like that. Y'all, summer is coming. So it is time to get up close and personal with the best shaving experience. And Manscaped has got you covered or uncovered, if you will. So head to the show notes and click the link or get 20% off and free shipping with code LawNerd at manscaped.com. That's right. 20% plus free shipping with code LawNerd at manscaped.com. Get smooth with the relaunched ultra smooth package from your friends and mine at Manscaped. So we resumed week five of trial on May 16th, also day 16 of trial. It was so nice that it worked out the entire week that the days and the dates just lined right up. It made it real easy for me to keep track. But this was after a one week break. And yes, I do want to break out into the bare naked ladies one week every single time I say that. And I'm trying to refrain myself because I, I just I'm trying to refrain. But that break seemed to be substantial for all the teams. Um, you know, Amber Heard's demeanor on direct examination when it resumed on Monday was much different than it had been prior to that. I can't imagine that that wasn't in part to a response to social media. We also saw the Milani makeup palette that's been so much discussed around social media come in to the direct examination when Amber Heard's attorney, Elaine Bredehoff, asked Amber Heard, you know, oh, can I see that palette? Is this what you were using? And Amber Heard's like, well, it's obviously not this one. It was one like this. Sometimes this color's a little more yellow as she was talking about one of the lighter colors. And then on direct, she talked about the process that she would use to cover up bruises, which is something I was wondering if they were going to get into because Elaine spent so much time talking about it in opening statements. And then you had Amber Heard saying that she would do kind of her skincare. She would put on foundation and then she would put on concealer and then she would put on the color corrector. And then all of the beauty people all over the internet went, ah, that's not the order those things would go in. If you're covering a bruise, that's the order they would go in. If you're creating a bruise, now there's even more confusion because the ordering of makeup normally, I mean, when I, when I have the energy to try to color correct under my eyes and these eye bags, man, in the next few weeks, um, yeah, that goes on under your foundation. So I don't know. I'm not a makeup artist. The internet had a moment. Will the attorneys bring it up? There are three women on this jury. The rest are men. We don't know who will end up deliberating. Again, only seven out of the nine sitting there in the jury box will deliberate. Two will be non-deliberating alternates. Will it matter to them? Or is it a small point that matters more to the internet? And I think it's a very real possibility. I'm sorry. I think it's a very real possibility that this is a point that maybe matters more to the internet because there are larger things that this jury will be considering. Or for the jury, it might be another building block in the things that aren't making sense to them. We just won't know. The rest of direct examination got into other incidents that they hadn't talked about a lot, tried to clean up some of the testimony and um, kind of correct. It seemed like trying to correct some of the dates and times. They talked about Thanksgiving. They talked about 
the slamming the cabinets video, as it's now been called. And Elaine asked, which I'm glad she did, why did you record that? And Amber Heard said, because she was scared and the incident was scary. But what we'd learned earlier in direct examination is that Heard wasn't at that location, the Sweetser location, as that was going on. She walked in on that kind of unfolding. So it's an interesting series of events, but she said that's why uh, she recorded it. We learned later that that video had been sent uh, to her friend, Io Tillett, but we also heard about this video a bit more in Cross, and I wonder how much the internet played in to that line of questioning on the cross-examination, but we will get there in a minute. They talked about the fight over uh, the birthday party, the 30th birthday party, where Johnny had the meeting with the money managers and found out money was lost or taxes were owed. And then they got to talking about the prank, the poop on the bed. They talked about the dog, Boo, having a lot of problems. You know, over on our chat, we're talking about justice for justice for Boo because the dog has been slandered. The dog's the dog's bowels have been called into questions. Um, Amber Heard testified that the dog ate some marijuana as a puppy and has had problems ever since, and then said that that prank is not something that she would do and called it, um, I don't think that's, or said, I don't think that's funny. It's disgusting. So the prank came up, the prank poop, the grumpy on the bed of it all came up more than once in direct. Towards the end of direct examination, Amber Heard testified about uh, being on the phone with Io the night that the police ended up being called and Io was in New York. Uh, Johnny was yelling at Io about the poop on the bed. This is why the poop on the bed keeps coming up, because not only are there photos of it, not only is it, I don't know, it's it's so wild, but it also plays into the fight over the phone when Johnny was yelling at Amber about it. She testified that he was yelling at Io. Io said that he was being yelled at by Johnny. And then um, there is an allegation of violence after that phone call. And then the police arrived after that. Io uh, indicated that they called the police. After that, Amber Heard testified that her best friend, Rocky Pennington, took pictures before, during, and after the police were there. Some of those pictures have come into evidence. It's been alluded to that there are others. I don't, I'm not confident that there are others, but that's been alluded to by Amber Heard, both on direct and cross-examination. Then when Rocky testified, and I'm going to intersperse this because when we get to Rocky's testimony, I'm going to tell you what I thought of it and we're going to move right on. But during Rocky's testimony, Rocky said she thinks she took some of the photos But then when Rocky's ex-husband testified, he said he thinks he took some of the photos. So nobody really remembers who took the photos. But also this is 2015, but some of these depositions were taken in 2019, some 2022. So there is some differentiation between who took the photos. It was interesting because when Amber Heard got to testifying about the op-ed, she said it's not about Johnny. No one thought it was about Johnny except Johnny, which was very interesting because there were other articles that came out that have already come into testimony um, and into evidence that directly connected Johnny Depp to the article. And then on cross-examination, she did say it was about Johnny and others, which I don't know how much we will see Depp's team capitalize on that statement, but she very clearly said it's about Depp and others. And so there is that seeming admission that it is about Depp. As they were leading up to the end of direct examination, they talked about her counterclaim against 
Johnny Depp for statements his former attorney, Adam Waldman, made. She talked about a sophisticated PR campaign or a sophisticated PR machine that was smearing her, how frustrated she was that she was being forced to prove this in court and how she had previously told Johnny Depp. And I believe this was an audio, you know, you don't want to make me prove this. And in direct, she was saying, I, I have mountains of evidence. And she said mountains of evidence multiple times. And I guess we'll see what the jury decides on the mountains of evidence or mountains of proof in this case, because that was hammered home during cross-examination as well. At the very end of her direct, Amber Heard was testifying that she narrowly survived this relationship, that it's something that she has to live with every day, that she didn't want to be in court, that Johnny Depp won't let it go and won't just let her be, that all she has is her integrity and her name. And that she said because of the harassment campaign or hate campaign or PR campaign, she has to relive these things and the statements Adam Waldman made every day and that that is torture. She said at the end there, I'm in so much pain. He won't let me move on. I just want to move on. I just want to move on. And with that direct examination ended and on day 16, cross-examination began And the cross-examination of Amber Heard has gotten most of the attention from week five because Camille Vasquez is a boss. And I started calling her Camille cross-boss Vasquez. Others in the lawyer commentator community have called her Camille goddess of thunder. Um, I've seen memes of her becoming Thor. I didn't know that She-Hulk attorney at law was going to be released, but that trailer dropped after Camille's cross-examination. And I can't imagine that Disney didn't go, drop it now, drop it now. We have a total boss that just finished cross-examination. When I saw the little um, the little image of She-Hulk attorney at law, I literally lost my mind. I was like, how is this happening? <laughs> I thought it was a meme about Camille Vasquez's cross-examination. It wasn't, it wasn't a meme. But at the beginning of cross It seemed that Camille might have been a little amped or a little nervous, and you could hear it in her voice. And the only reason I say that is because I'm familiar with that nerve-sided, like, this is a big moment, and here we go. I'm just, I'm, I'm familiar with the vocal quiver, and it's interesting because I've commented on it so much during this trial because we never heard that from Amber Heard. Her voice was steady her entire testimony, and I found her demeanor much easier to listen to after that one week break, her demeanor during cross was very direct. Um, and I just wonder if her entire testimony would have been perceived differently if she testified like she did on cross-examination the rest of the trial. I found it much easier to engage with her. It didn't feel played up or dramatized or added on. It felt very much more direct, but that's easier on cross-examination because you're really just answering questions and pretty short questions at that. I thought that Amber Heard held her own during cross-examination. I thought Camille Vasquez was uh, absolutely amazing. I thought it was a brilliant cross. It's a style of cross-examination I very much like. If you've watched nothing from this trial, the end of day 16 and the beginning of day 17, Camille Vasquez's cross is a masterclass in cross-examination, and it is absolutely worth your time. And I will link the reaction videos I did to it. Well, once one of them is released by CBS, who has copyright claimed the clip, the very brief clip of the James Corden show that was played during cross-examination, but I will link them. I will also link 
CBS to the James Corden show. Should you like to see Amber Heard's appearance on the James Corden show in its entirety? If you have not been following this trial closely and who blames you, it's all consuming. You might not realize that after one of the most violent incidences that's been alleged, Amber Heard appeared on the James Corden show. She alleges a broken nose and a split lip, missing chunks of hair, that she hit her head backwards, fell backwards, and hit her head on a low brick wall and was checked for a concussion and, again, had a split lip, two black eyes, a broken nose, clumps of hair missing because there was hair all over the apartment, chunks, giant chunks of hair ripped out, um, and then appears on the James Corden show the next day under television lights and you don't see a split lip under her makeup, you know, popping open as she moved her mouth and things like that. So that came up very heavily in cross. They played the clip, they showed photos and we will get to it a little bit later because that came up in day 17, I believe of cross-examination. But again, if memory serves, it all kind of runs together. So with cross-examination, they start in immediately with audio and questioning regarding Johnny Depp saying, you will never see my eyes again. It's interesting because I also wonder if this is a direct response to the internet. Like is court answering the internet and in both the direct examination and the cross-examination, like a little bit, kind of like a little bit, kind of why do I think that? So glad you asked. Let me tell you during the one week break, there were competing statements from PR, it seems, of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, representatives of the two. And in the representative statement from Amber Heard, I will link the uh, videos I have breaking these down. I have a TikTok and an Instagram reel and a, a YouTube short breaking these statements down. But the part that's relevant for what we're talking about is that, quote, Mr. Depp's inability to distinguish fact from fiction, a malady which appears to have spread to his legal team. That same team is so panicked they are fighting tooth and nail to prevent compelling evidence and photos from being introduced. Small wonder Mr. Depp does not have the fortitude or courage to even look at Ms. Heard at all throughout the proceedings as he could not in the UK trial and instead he doodles and snickers. It then goes on to finish Mr. Depp's behavior in this trial has been as pitiful as it was in their marriage. Apparently, they feel they must double down on their demonstrably losing two-part strategy, they being Depp's legal team, distract the jury and demonize the victim. So that is a May 5th uh, statement that was released ahead of the week break in response to Depp's team. Um, issuing a statement saying that, as predicted, Ms. Heard had given the performance of her life on the stand, a statement will, which will be very relevant a little bit later in this podcast. But with, um, with that public statement out there the week between trial, I can't help but feel the audio of Johnny Depp said he would never look at you in the eyes again is answering the internet more than it's necessarily answering the jury. And it went into audio of um, Johnny Depp saying that and Amber Heard kind of reframing it in her answers or attempting to, he can't look at me. He can't look at me. And the audio is, you won't see my face again. They then 
started to pick through the timeline of the different incidents. And I'm not going to go through all of them. There were a few moments where Amber Heard clapped back. I feel like Johnny Depp's clapbacks got a lot of giggles, but some of Amber Heard's clapbacks at Camille were well-placed um, and appropriate and sometimes funny. The one that made me laugh out loud was over the cocaine breakfast table photo. And if you've seen the trial, you will recognize the cocaine breakfast photo table, but the table has um, neat and orderly lines of cocaine, a driver's license, a tampon applicator, a box that says property of JD, two glasses of liquid, supposedly one's alcohol, one's something else, um, like a dop kit, a CD, and like a cigarette or something. And Depp's team is alleging that this is a staged photo. Heard is alleging that this is kind of her regular morning and Johnny is doing drugs all of the time. What was very funny is that she was, Camille was pointing out to Amber Heard and asking, look, it doesn't, there's no residue on the table. There, It's a very neat and orderly table. And she said to Amber Heard, it doesn't look like anyone was doing Coke on the table. And Amber Heard said, respectfully, I'm not sure you know how that works. <laughs> well, that's probably fair. <laughs> that's probably fair. It's probably fair that Camille Vasquez might not know how that works. And then Camille quickly clapped back. I'm trying to find out if you do. And that's when Amber Heard gets into the fact that her sister, Whitney, taught Johnny Depp how to snort cocaine through a tampon applicator. Lord, you can't make this stuff up. This is what happened in court. And from then, we get into this clip that I'm actually going to just show you because it goes to Johnny Depp's entire kind of position of these photos in the case that the photos that Amber Heard chooses to take are staged for a purpose or for blackmail or for leverage, et cetera, but that these are staged photos. And Amber Heard's answer to this is very, very interesting. And it's your testimony that Mr. Depp left this breakfast table just the way you took it. That is correct. So this is what the table looked like after Mr. Depp had been doing cocaine? Uh, well, clearly he has yet to snort these lines. There are four lines of cocaine on this table, right, Mr. In this picture, I see four lines. There isn't any cocaine residue around those lines, right? Uh, I, not that I can tell, no. Doesn't really look like anyone's been doing cocaine off that table, does it? With all due respect, I'm not sure you know how that works. I'm asking if you do. You've testified you've done cocaine. I have. Doesn't really look like Mr. Depp or anyone was doing cocaine off that table, does it? Uh, I beg to differ with you on that. When you snort cocaine, typically it goes into your nose. And then it doesn't stay residue. on the table. There's residue from that cocaine when your lips and nose touch the table, right? Well, the tampon applicator next to um, the credit card, I mean, um, driver's license that you see is a device that uh, I believe my sister had taught him to use in order to put the cocaine uh, in your nose. There's no ash in that ashtray either, is there? Uh, not that I can tell in this picture. It's pretty clean. In this picture, it looks like it, yes. It's a pretty neat table. Wouldn't you agree? Um, 
depends on what you would call neat, I suppose. And you sent this picture to your friend, Rocky Pennington, as well, didn't you? I sure did. And when you sent it, you said, quote, look at my morning or something like that. Is that right? Yay for mornings. So you have a habit of sending stage photographs to your friend Rocky, don't you? I had a habit of communicating with my best friend about what was going on in my life. What's so interesting about Amber Heard's answer there is she never says this photo's not staged. And there's a couple times during this cross-examination where there's an opportunity to uh, rebut the presumption that Camille has proposed in her question saying, you have a habit of sending stage photos to your friend. No, I do not. This photo is not staged. That's not what she says. And while that might seem picky, these are moments that the plaintiff, in this case, Depp, can seize on to, again, argue in their closing. She never denied that the photo was staged. Then the testimony went in a very interesting direction, and Camille put together something in cross-examination that I was not aware of the timing of, and I went, oh, that's interesting. And it seemed that the jury did too, because there were other members of the LawTube community in the courtroom this day, and they have related that the jury found this moment also interesting. There was a very long back and forth about whether or not Amber Heard donated or pledged $7 million to Children's Hospital LA and to the ACLU. We've heard other testimony from the ACLU that Amber Heard has not paid it, and the public knows from statements that the Children's Hospital LA has not been paid. But in the back and forth of donated versus paid, Amber Heard kept saying, or donated versus pledged, apologies, Amber Heard kept saying, I've pledged it. After I got the divorce settlement, I pledged it. I pledged it. And Camille kept saying, but it hasn't been donated yet, but it hasn't been donated yet. And then brought up a clip of a television program where Amber Heard appeared saying, no, I donated the full $7 million and brought up the transcript from the UK testimony where Amber Heard said, I donated the entire $7 million. But then Camille pointed out that Amber Heard had not in fact donated the whole amount. And what happened next is this. So back to October of 2018, this was before Mr. Depp sued you for defamation, correct? Yes, that's correct. He didn't sue you until after the op-ed came out in December of 2018, right? He sued me in 2019. And the op-ed came out in December of 2018. That is correct. So in October of 2018, you had received your entire $7 million divorce settlement. You would that, agree with me? That is correct. And you hadn't yet been sued by Mr. Depp? This is uh, October, correct. So in this October 2018 interview, you said that you had, quote, donated, end quote, your entire divorce settlement to charity, Right. That's correct. And in fact, your exact words were, quote, seven million in total was donated to, I split it between the ACLU and the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, end quote. Right? That's, that's correct. I made that statement as soon as I got a divorce and we reached the settlement. That's when I pledged it right then. And you say this because you, quote, wanted nothing, end quote. That is correct. That you hadn't donated your entitled entire $7 million settlement to charity at that point, had you? That's incorrect. Sitting here today, Ms. Hurd, 
you still haven't donated the $7 million divorce settlement to charity. Isn't that right? Incorrect. I pledged the entirety no, of Ms. the settlement, Heard, $7 million to charity, question. and I intend to fulfill Heard, those obligations. Heard, that's not my question. Please, what was try to question? answer my question. Sitting here today, you have not donated the $7 million donated, not pledged, donated the $7 million divorce settlement to charity. I use pledge and donation synonymous with one another. They but I the don't. Ms. Hurd, I don't use it synonymously. That's how donations are paid. Ms. Hurd, respectfully, that's not my question. As of today, you have not paid $3.5 million of your own money to the ACLU. Yes or no? I have not yet. And as of today, you have not paid $3.5 million of your own money to the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, correct? I have not yet. Johnny sued me. So as of today, you have not donated, paid $7 million of your divorce settlement to charity, right? I have not been able to fulfill those, uh, those uh, obligations yet. And that is how Camille locked in the schedule of the payments and made it very clear. Amber Heard keeps saying, I did not pay. I did not fulfill my pledges. I did not donate, pledged, not donated because Johnny sued me. But then Camille goes on to point out to the jury in case they didn't do the maths on their own, that there was a 13 month difference between when she received the final divorce settlement and when she was sued by Johnny Depp, 13 months. And that, I think, will be one of the things that becomes important to the jury. It was one of the things that we know the judge in the UK case relied heavily on is that the, this $7 million was donated. Well, it's clear that it was pledged and not, in fact, donated. It also proves that in the UK case, her testimony was that it was donated under oath. And in this case, she is now testifying that it was pledged, but it has not been paid. Ergo, it's not been donated because pledged and donated are not the same things, but I will move on. That was just about the end of day 16. So let's get into day 17, resuming with Amber Heard on cross and Camille Vasquez wearing all white. Thank you to today's sponsor, Quip, because good health starts with good habits. And you know, me and Dr. B feel very strongly about the teeth and how easy Quip makes it to stay on top of building healthy routines for your oral care. Did you know that the Quip electric toothbrush has been loved by over 7 million mouths? Yep. And it has timed sonic vibrations. I think people forget that this is what they're for. They're in 30 second increments. So you can get the different quadrants of your mouth. So you can do 30 seconds, 30 seconds on the bottom, um, left and right. And then 30 seconds, 30 seconds, top left and right. And then you get your full two minute clean. So you can use those timed vibrations to remind you to switch sides. So you get an overall clean. It is a lightweight, sleek design with a multi-use travel cover perfect for getting out and exploring this summer. Not only is the brush great, but you know we love the Quip toothpaste that comes in mint and watermelon. My kids do not love mint toothpaste, but the watermelon toothpaste is great and it is anti-cavity toothpaste. Plus they have floss that makes it really easy. I hate wrapping floss around my fingers. I love 
their quick little grabber flosser that is a reusable floss pick. So you're not constantly throwing those single use floss picks away. So good. And you can get the refills just sent to your house so that you don't run out of what you need when you need it. There is nothing worse than running out in the middle of the night. And if you use our show link, you get your first refill free. That's right. If you go to getquip.com slash Emily show right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Emily show. That's G E T Q U I P.com slash Emily show quip the good habits company. We should get back into today's show. The beginning of day 17 just jumped right into cross-examination with Camille Vasquez having the deputy sheriff bring out the knife that Amber Heard gifted to Johnny Depp, the big old Bowie knife. And I shared photos of all of that over on Twitter at the Emily D. Baker, if you want to go follow along with some of this case there. Um, I understand if you don't (laughs) do this podcast, for those of you that are like, girl, never, I get it. Um, But it was very interesting because Camille began by establishing that in the order of time, there had already been alleged abuse in the relationship before this gifted knife. And they brought the full Bowie knife that's inscribed with, you know, till death, essentially in Spanish on it. And she was asking questions about it. And Amber Heard looks at Camille Vasquez and goes, well, I wasn't worried. Not well. I was quote, I wasn't worried he was going to stab me with it. The tone was, I wasn't worried he was going to stab me with it. It was a gift. It was one of those moments that was a little odd to me. They then walked through together the alleged instances of violence and then public photos from all or from events close in time to those instances of violence, which was very interesting to me because It's a, you know, you allege these things happened, but then here's a photo of you the next day out in public. And Amber Heard's answer was, I'm wearing makeup. You can't see any photo or any injuries in that photo. And I don't know how this will cut with the jury because it can either be, well, if she's making these things up, why would she make it up when she knows there's these public photos? Um, that are available that can be brought in that don't seem to show injury. So why would anyone make up a date and time when they're then closely out in public? That doesn't make sense to pin these instances of violence to public appearances short in time thereafter. Or the jury could say, look, the only photos that we've seen of injury are photos that Amber Heard had control of that her friends took and that Depp's team is implying are not uh, telling the entire picture or showing the entire picture. So it can go either way, but I thought that the cross was very good walking through those events and then showing all of those photos that had not come in during direct examination. Then they go through the divorce and the TRO, the fact that the locks were changed, and the fact that the day the locks were changed that evening is when James Franco comes over and there's that um, elevator footage of James Franco coming in through the elevator and leaning his head up and kind of leaning into Amber Heard as she kind of backs up to stand with her back up against him in the elevator in a uh, familiar way. And I had not put together clearly in this case that that was the same day right after that TRO was filed, but it came up in direct examination that part of the reason the temporary restraining order was filed by Amber Heard was that she wanted to change her locks and she wanted a good night's sleep. She was worried that Johnny Depp would come over um, to the apartment and people would just, or just let him in, not the apartment, the penthouses. But all of the text messages in this relationship 
are of Johnny leaving and Amber Heard yelling at him because he's leaving. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting moment. But after that, it was discussed about whether or not Miss Heard had leaked the information to the press and whether the press was given a heads up to get all these photos of her when she was coming out from the temporary restraining order at the Stanley Moss Courthouse. The divorce was filed on May 23rd, the TRO on May 27th. And then there was this moment in court about TMZ. And I think as we get up to this deposition, there were a lot of questions about whether or not TMZ owns the copyright. And I just have to wonder if that's something that Depp's team had looked into before this trial, if they had subpoenaed TMZ, if they knew that, or if this is another instance of the internet playing a role in this case, because myself, among others, but myself very vocally, I had three videos that were claimed by TMZ on my YouTube channel because they claimed they owned the copyright of the cabinet slamming video that was played in evidence during Johnny Depp's case in chief. And I had made videos and reels and TikToks about TMZ claiming my video, even though Amber Heard claims she never sold the video. Well, how does TMZ own the copyright if the video was never sold? Because Amber Heard took the video. Amber Heard owns the copyright. So if that video was never sold to TMZ, why is it here? Why is it being claimed? And that came up in the line of questioning. And I was like, oh, oh, is, did, did, did they know? Or did the internet answer it when TMZ started copyright claiming YouTube videos? Is that when they had solid proof that TMZ was claiming they owned that? We may never know, but I was very curious. And I, my, my little ears perked up. I was like, are we involved? Did we did did we help inform something up in here in this case? Because it happened in other cases where people have given commentary. It happened with legal bites during the Rittenhouse. A point that she had made in one of her videos ended up being argued in closing. She's like, I said that in a video like two days ago. What? And so we know teams are watching these videos um, and we're giving our perception of them. But I just have to wonder if that's how that came up. Because I was pissed when TMZ claimed my video. Let's be honest. I was Super pissed, especially after Amber Heard had claimed, um, you know, up, down, and sideways that she never sold it. Well, if you don't sold it, if you didn't sell it, how do they own the copyright? Did you gift it to them? Now, there is a clip of a video deposition that's played. This is the end of Camille's cross. Johnny Depp's team has done a very good job of ending the witnesses strong with a memorable moment. They did it with Johnny Depp's direct examination. It ended on that audio tape of you know, tell the world, Johnny, that you're a victim of domestic violence. And then Johnny's attorney repeating it back to him and saying, what did you say? And Johnny Depp said, I said, yes, I am. And that was the last thing he said on direct examination. And it left a very large period to what was the entire direct examination. And this is what they did in Cross. Their team has been very skilled at crafting memorable moments and memorable endpoints for the jury in their in their direct examinations. And in this cross-examination, it doesn't feel like their cross just ends. There was a plan. They reached that moment and then ended strong. And it leaves these memorable moments. And this for me, because I have been watching along with the jury, was a memorable moment. Or someone who knew him or was close to him, basically, I didn't want him to find out online that I had or was about to file or I had already filed for divorce. I wanted him to know verbally. So I was trying to reach him through a third party 
to tell him. When I say reach, I'm specifically saying I would like him to know information coming from me or coming from Jerry, from me, so that he finds out about the divorce filing or my intention to do so from some other source other than TMZ, which was alerted. And then she grabs her face and stops. TMZ, which was alerted. You let it slip out that TMZ had been alerted to your filing of the domestic violence restraining order, didn't you? I disagree. That's not what I'm talking about. And it's fair because Camille's question is, you let it slip the TMZ to TMZ that you were filing the domestic violence restraining order. But in that video, Amber is talking about the, um, the divorce filing, which was a few days earlier, that TMZ had been alerted to it. And in her redirect examination, she goes, no, TMZ was alerted and tried to allude that TMZ was alerted by the court filing system, which I also think is a giant pile of BS because what Amber Heard is saying in the deposition is he, I didn't want him to be alerted to TMZ about my intention or filing for divorce because TMZ had been alerted. Well, they're not going to be alerted to an intention by you filing the divorce and it getting picked up in the court system and TMZ having court watchers looking at the filings. It's not going to get picked up that way if you intend it. And so she was very clear in that deposition to say, I wanted to make sure because I had intended to file. And I didn't, you know, if he was going to know I intended to file. Well, TMZ is not going to be alerted of your intent unless someone tells them. And now we get into the kitchen cabinets and the video being released the day that this deposition was taken, the deposition where she said, cause TMZ was alerted. And this is where it gets into whether or not, I don't know, TMZ claiming these videos on YouTube wound its way into this courtroom. Wasn't it? I didn't do that. I don't TMZ know how owns to do the that. Copyright to that video now, doesn't it? I have no idea what TMZ Did they pay you for that? I never got paid for it because I had nothing to do with that. So TMZ was just lucky in getting the inside scoop to your divorce from Mr. Depp, huh? I have no idea. It is not, that's not my area of expertise. I wouldn't even know how to do that. What's so interesting is that we see a very affirmative statement of, I didn't get paid for it because I had nothing to do with it which is different than the allegation of the staged photos saying, this is me communicating with my friend, but doesn't deny the staged photos. It's just something that I picked up on when I was rewatching this prepping for the podcast. I was like, interesting, but also again, the copyright. The very next line of questioning is very brief and it goes into prior allegations of domestic violence against Amber Heard, alleging that she had um, beaten up her ex-wife or physically assaulted her ex-wife in C- you know, the Seattle airport in SeaTac in 2019. Amber Heard said that story was planted. And then on redirect very quickly says that her ex um, withdrew any statement or denied that that happened. Third parties had seen it and it had gotten reported. Amber Heard had also gotten arrested over that. That did not come in in court. That is known in the court of public opinion. But then we get into the redirect and the, the redirect is a hot mess. And I was trying to be charitable, but there is a moment in the redirect where Elaine Bredehoff um, is asking Amber Heard about Johnny Depp saying, you will never see my eyes again. And she literally in court says, and Johnny Depp's on that audio going, you will never see my eyes again and mocks his voice. 
which was wild to me. The rest of the redirect was kind of a mess. There were a very few points that came up and it gave Amber Heard a moment to say that her ex um, denied those statements about the physical violence. But man, oh man, after that, everything fell apart. Objection after objection. And Elaine couldn't recover and said, you know what? I've got nothing further. And then we got into the video deposition of Io Tillett Wright and then the video deposition of Rocky Pennington, not the UFC star Rocky Pennington. UFC fighter Rocky Pennington is like, my name is being dragged. Stop it. We are same name, same nickname, not same person. So just know when you hear Rocky Pennington, not the UFC fighter. It is not the UFC fighter. Io's testimony was um, very much about being friends with the two of them. The evening the police were called, being on the phone, um, being afraid for his friend, hearing them arguing, getting yelled at by Johnny Depp, acting as kind of a counselor between the two of them and their fights. Um, seemed protective of Amber Heard, but not overly so. And then getting into Rocky Pennington's video depot, it was uncomfortable. It was just uncomfortable. Um, the the way that she answered questions, the how drawn out it was. And Rocky Pennington's video depot started with the opposing party, Johnny Depp's team, questioning her. And then as we get into day eighteen, we get the other side of Rocky Pennington's deposition where she becomes very emotional talking about seeing injuries on her friend Amber Heard, being afraid for her friend and, and being upset. The way that her answers were so drawn out made it very, very hard um, to parse through her deposition. And it was, it was odd because she talked about the same events on essentially cross and direct and had a very different emotional response to the two lines of questioning. Next was the video deposition of Josh Drew, Rocky Pennington's ex-husband, who was catering the 30th birthday party with tacos, which started out a week-long obsession with getting tacos, who, um, whose testimony came across very clear, very direct, and seemed very frank and believable. Now, I know the internet knows a lot more about what was played in this deposition and knows more about Josh Drew than what's come into court and knows more about the parts of this video deposition that were cut out. But the jury is left with just what we saw in court, which was a deposition of someone who didn't seem to be riding particularly for either side, whose testimony, though, when you put it up against the police-worn body cams, doesn't always line up, but who talked about the night um, that the police were called where they're, you know, Johnny Depp's alleged to have hit Amber Heard, that they got into, you know, the fight that ended up leading to the filing for divorce right before she went to Coachella and that, you know, there was stuff smashed all over the penthouses and wine spilled all over the floor. And yes, that is different than what's on the body cam. So the jury has not had those two things juxtaposed for them yet. That will come in closing argument. But his video deposition came across as very clear. The answers seemed very clear. He talked about taking some of the photos of Amber Heard when she broke her nose and had clumps of hair missing. And again, his description of the injuries and then the photos of the injuries are again at odds. But he said he thought he might have taken some of them. He also talked about the fact that when um, stuff was going down, his ex said, you know, you go back to our penthouse because Rocky Pennington and Josh Drew were living in the penthouses at the time. They had master keys to all of the penthouses so they could get into any of them, even the ones that were the primary residents of Depp and Heard. And she said, you know, we're, we're going upstairs and was with Amber Heard and he was sent away. So there is some timing gap there where he wasn't with them. The next witness was Whitney Enriquez, Amber Heard's sister. She was a live witness. 
It was very interesting testimony. She was not asked about whether or not she taught Johnny Depp to snort cocaine out of a tampon applicator. But after the testimony the day before, I was like, is this going to come up? Please let this come up. I was just curious. She, um, she seemed hostile on direct. And again, that could be nerves. That could be frustration of being dragged into court. It could be a lot of things, but her direct examination came in hot. It could also indicate that there are issues behind the scenes between Amber Heard and her lawyers, which after the recross or the redirect that was such a disaster, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised um, because Amber Heard stomped off the stand and left the court when she had been ordered to go sit back down with her lawyers. So there might be some tension there, but her sister definitely came in hot during uh, direct examination. Her sister's retelling of the staircase incident was a bit different than what was testified to in court. I don't know if the jury will pick up those fine points. They probably will, because these are the staircase incident is one of the larger incidents of alleged violence. It's the only incident where Amber Heard admits to hitting Johnny Depp and she admits to punching him to try to protect her sister. She thought her sister was going to be pushed down the stairs. Depp says that his bodyguard was between them and Amber was swinging over the bodyguard. The bodyguard testified to that. Whitney heard said that she was punched by Depp in the back and, and then her sister punched him. So the incidents went down differently based on Heard's testimony and what Enriquez's testimony. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's, we've got four different stories plus at this point of what happened at the staircase incident, but she did not said, say she thought she was going to be put during cross-examination. They laid the groundwork for Whitney Enriquez's former boss who she had lived with to come in and testify. There's the declaration. Her declaration has been, um, or Jennifer Howell, as her name has been, um, available on the internet for a while. That will be via video deposition, but it contradicts Whitney's statement and in Jennifer Howell's sworn declaration that is, again, has been available because it was, I believe, part of the UK trial. She says that Whitney confided in her that Whitney thought that Amber would kill Johnny Depp. And so we will see that in the rebuttal during week six. From there, it was another series of video depositions, the video deposition of Elizabeth Mars, who it seems like lived at the penthouses for a brief two weeks and was there the night at the staircase incident and ran and hid because Johnny Depp came in angry and she said drunk. And this is shortly before the phone call with IO where Johnny Depp was yelling about the feces. Um, she said she ran and hid. The police identified her as somebody who had been at the gym. <clears throat> so I'm not quite sure where she was during that time. It was, again, she looked a little bit like Kim Kardashian and had that kind of that tenor to her voice as well. So it was interesting. It was an interesting deposition to listen to given that. Um, but what she took away from, from that incident is that it really scared her. The next witness was Melanie Iglesias, the makeup artist who did Amber Heard's makeup for the James Corden show um, the day after. Amber Heard's alleging that she was headbutted was dragged around the penthouses by her hair, had clumps of hair pulled out, had a broken nose and two black eyes and a split lip. And the makeup artist did say she had a split lip that they covered up with a matte red lipstick, that they did color correcting under her eyes in a different shade than normal to counteract um, any blue in the bruises, that she didn't talk about using 
a really deep color corrector. She talked about using just a different color of like under eye concealer is what I got from the testimony. She also said she was familiar with making bruises and bruise kits in her cross-examination, but she kept saying things like the makeup was just slightly heavier. She didn't recount doing a substantial amount of makeup. She did say she remembered Amber Heard's lip being swollen and that she can see it in the photos when she looks at the James Corden show. And she again described the lip as being the lip as being split. So that is interesting to me. But then she explained that Amber Heard's normal makeup was very, very natural, very, very light. And Amber Heard has testified that she always went out with makeup on because she was always covering up bruises. So there was some contradiction there, but again, some consistency there with um, yes, she had to, you know, do a little bit heavier makeup to cover up any bruising and there was a split lip. She didn't talk about dealing with anything for swelling at all. The next video deposition was Christy Sexton, the acting coach for Amber Heard, who had been at the um, Hicksville trailer park during the incident there when she saw Amber Heard upset and saw um, some of the disruption to property. The varying levels of disruption to property have been, well, varying, but she was a kind of a seemingly neutral, though she was Amber Heard's acting coach, third party that said, this is just what I saw. I'd gone to bed earlier um, than everyone else. And in the morning I saw this, I saw that Amber Heard was upset. Um, and she said that through the relationship with Johnny Depp, she saw Amber Heard upset a lot that eventually she was um, scheduling extra time for their acting lessons or classes or work together because Amber Heard was often upset and she would spend the beginning of their sessions trying to calm Amber Heard down so they could do their work together. Um, and that she worked with Amber Heard through 2017. But one of the, um, I don't know if Amber Heard's lawyers knew that this was going to play so heavily into this case or not, but this video deposition had one moment that stood out. And that moment is this. Did you have occasion to observe Ms. Heard crying naturally, not acting, um, when you had coaching sessions with her during the time that she was together romantically with Mr. Depp? I would say the last year they were together, probably 80, 90% of our sessions began with her crying. Um, uh, and that would be increasing as it went on. Um, Ironically, she has a little difficulty crying um, acting-wise. So. Ironically, she has a little difficulty crying acting-wise. That ended up being the moment that kind of took off from day 18 as Amber Heard's acting coach saying that she has a bit of difficulty crying acting-wise. Let's move on to day 19. Day 19 started out with Bruce Whitkin, a former bandmate of Johnny Depp. And these, again, are all witnesses called by Amber Heard. We're still in her case. That depot was kind of sad about a friendship that had broken up. Um, Bruce Whitkin was critical of the people around Depp at the time that he was with Amber Heard. He was critical of Dr. Kipper, who was Johnny Depp's doctor, said that Johnny Depp never did cocaine and in their prior years when he was younger, they were in the Hollywood vampires together. And it just seemed, um, it just seemed like he was sad, but had never seen Johnny Depp be aggressive, had never seen him be assaultive, had seen him be angry. Sure. But said that when he was, you know, under the influence that he didn't switch into someone else at all. And so I'm not quite sure 
what will be argued in closing from Heard's side with regard to this particular deposition. And that is the way that day 19 went for all of day 19. Um, with me going, I'm not sure if they, I'm not sure how Heard's team is going to use these things to their advantage. The next video deposition was from Tracy Jacobs, Depp's former talent agent, who said that she ended up getting fired when everyone got fired. And that includes the former business manager and others. There are individuals in that group, Depp, accused of stealing money. And um, he had accused her of having a conflict of interest with the business manager and others. She denied that in her testimony. She said that Depp had a reputation for being late and that was becoming difficult and unprofessional and that he was, um, his substance abuse was becoming an issue and that he was using an earpiece to have lines read to him. And she also testified that she had never seen him strike anyone, assault anyone, hurt anyone. So I think the point of this testimony was that Depp, um, Depp's problems with pirates and other jobs were not due to Amber Heard or the op-ed, but were due to his own substance use and due to his own tardiness on set. There was also an email that was shown regarding one of Amber Heard's roles. And it seemed that with this particular movie that Amber Heard had not agreed to do a sex scene, but then they used a body double to insert a sex scene into the movie. And there is a very angry email from Johnny Depp saying, get it taken out. What the fuck are these people doing? But it also seemed from previous testimony that Heard was frustrated with that same scene as well. So I think it's going to be characterized as Depp being controlling or overly controlling and jealous, though with the other testimony, it could just as easily be taken by the jury as Amber Heard didn't want that in her contract either. That went outside the bounds of her contract for that movie. And he was asking his talent agent to do something about it. And it seemed like to get the movie killed or that scene killed. Um, the next deposition was from Adam Waldman. This is when everybody kind of perked up in the chat because this is Depp's former attorney whose statements are being used as the statements Depp made for the counterclaim. And again, I did a video breakdown of the underlying kind of legal stuff of this case, but his statements are being attributed to Depp if they survive through an agency theory, meaning that this is someone who's representing Depp, their Depp, therefore their words are Depp's words. And Depp's mindset is their mindset. So if they've, you know, if they are saying these things for Depp, Depp defamed um, Amber Heard with those statements. What was interesting to me is 90% of this testimony was Ben Chu saying objection, it's privileged because attorney-client privilege. And, you know, I would instruct the witness not to answer and the witness going, I accept that instruction over and over again. And I realized that Elaine Bradahoft had no other option but to call this witness, but they could have edited that depot down a bit, I think. But she kept asking questions. When did you meet Depp? When did you start working for him? Did you have a contract? But Ben Chu cross-examined him very clearly to make it seem that he's not an employee of Depp. Um, he's his lawyer, probably a contractor relationship. And those are going to go to the, some of the technical points of the agency theory for this counterclaim to survive. And the counterclaim actually might be on the ropes, which is really interesting to me. But the thing that was difficult with this text of testimony is you got to the end of Waldman's testimony. And he says that he took a binder full of evidence to LAPD, who then transferred it to the sheriff's department or something to go after 
Amber Heard and Rocky Pennington for perjury on sworn statements. And he talked about the fraud and the perjury. So now you have this lawyer whose testimony seemed, you know, pretty likable. He was easy to listen to, uh, calling Amber Heard a fraud like he did in the statements that are being sued for here. So that was, that was real interesting testimony. I was like, oh, oh, they're accusing her of perjury. Oh, that's coming into evidence. The jury knows about that now. Okay. Okay. That's where we're at today. I thought it was a very interesting choice. Though I will say what I think we might see argued by Heard's team with this is that uh, Waldman did say that he had been speaking with traditional media and internet journalists and named some of the YouTubers, particularly that umbrella guy, who have been covering this case for years. While I think it's going to go to Amber Heard saying, see, Waldman was the one doing this orchestrated PR hit campaign and not just using the media, but also using internet journalists or YouTubers and and individuals. I I don't know how that will play. We'll see. Um, but he was very clear of these are the handles that I talked to. I am sure that that umbrella guy's traffic to his YouTube channel jumped substantially after being mentioned in this trial. It was interesting to see how much the internet has permeated this trial. Next witness was Michelle Moroni, uh, the divorce attorney that was dealing with the post-nuptial agreement with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. It was a very short deposition. We didn't get into a lot of it, but Johnny Depp had called her, fired her, and called her a bitch. What was confusing to me is she was Amber Heard's attorney, so I don't know why she allowed herself to be fired when Johnny Depp called and yelled at her. And that was over the Australia, well, at the beginning of the Australia incident, um, the testimony is that there was this fight with the divorce attorney and Johnny Depp had called upset. He said that. I don't know if he testified to calling her a bitch or not, but he did testify that he called the attorneys upset because he said they had made Amber Heard upset. It was in, it was interesting testimony. I don't think it did much other than support that, yes, that's what happened. Yes, that's what they said in opening. But I don't know if it's pushing the needle this far down in trial. Next, they called Ellen Barkin, who was in a former relationship with Depp, who testified that during Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, Depp had been fighting with his friends in a hotel room and got mad and threw a bottle. And the bottle was thrown, she said, not at her, not really in the direction of her, but kind of in the general direction of her. And then testified that the relationship, as they were calling it, a romantic relationship. She said, can I correct that to a sexual relationship? And I think that moment of brevity kind of overshadowed the testimony. But the rest of her testimony was that she knew Depp to be jealous and to ask about where she was going and who she was going out with. And um, that she said he never hit her. And she testified that when he was under the influence of whatever, um, then he was high, but he didn't switch and become someone else. I also don't know if that testimony moved the needle, but it was 11 minutes long and it had some moments of levity. So we're not mad at it. After that, they called Dr. Alan Blosting, uh, who's a psychiatrist via video deposition who worked with Depp. This testimony raised a lot of eyebrows around the internet and particularly in my chat because it felt so invasive that Depp's psychiatrist, treating psychiatrist, was being forced to give testimony. And again, this is responding to a legal subpoena. And in this court, in this trial, as my friend um, Rich Hogue pointed out as we were talking about this, they did do a general waiver um, allowing both sides to bring in medical information. And we've seen a ton of it come in. But also Amber Heard was required to be evaluated by a clinical forensic psychologist 
because she made PTSD an issue. They have said that Depp's memory is an issue, but he didn't put it at issue. So it was my speculation that this could have been a choice to avoid Depp having to do a clinical psych exam because they might've pushed for one. But I do remember the court denying the clinical psych exam. And maybe it was that this the allowance for all of the other treating medical documents or treating medical uh, professionals to come in was sufficient because they did want to make Depp do the, um, the clinical psych exam. And that was denied by the court. So I actually think that Richard Hogue is right. When we were having this conversation, he's like, you were thinking this, I'm like, I was in the moment, but I have changed my mind. I think this falls under that blanket, um, stipulation that they were allowing medical information to come in. And with that, it did feel very invasive, but also it was very humanizing to hear the treating psychiatrist talk about some of Depp's difficulties, talk about the fact that leading up to the wedding, he didn't want to get married, talk about the fact that he was dealing with substance abuse um, issues and, and that sometimes he did have some memory problems, kind of some short-term memory problems. And that was about all we got from that. But it was, I think, more humanizing testimony. We also then did two more video depositions from Eric George, who is an attorney that advised Amber Heard with regard to the op-ed. What I thought was very interesting about this testimony is that Eric George talked about working in defamation, being well familiar with defamation, and advising Amber Heard um, on the article to try to minimize the potential that she would get sued for defamation, um, which means it was at least a consideration that she might get sued for defamation, which is odd to me because I would have thought that this testimony would have centered around the fact that there was an NDA in place in the divorce settlement, a non-disclosure agreement. So wouldn't you consult a lawyer to make sure you're not violating your non-disclosure agreement? Because the ACLU discussed that, that they had lawyers looking at this to make sure it didn't violate the NDA. but then you've got a lawyer being consulted to make sure you're not being sued for defamation. So aren't you then maybe concerned it's possibly defamatory? I think the jury could think that we'll see if they do or don't, but it's at least out there that she consulted a lawyer. But the other side of that is there's an argument that, look, she didn't have actual malice. She didn't have the state of mind here to commit defamation because she actually consulted with an attorney and she relied on that attorney's advice. And that attorney's advice was this, we've reduced the possibility of you being sued. So it might just be going to that state of mind element. Look, she didn't have actual malice. She consulted an attorney. She was told she, you know, it was not defamatory. I mean, she should know that if the statements are true, but she was told she, you know, was limiting her possibility of being sued for this. And therefore, she wasn't doing it with, you know, this state of mind that you need, the willful disregard for the truth. That's not going to get very far if the jury believes that this these statements in the op-ed aren't true. Again, I think the headline is the most um the most difficult thing for Amber Heard. I think the print edition, I don't I don't see Depp winning the print edition um because I think based on all of the evidence you can get to the point that this was a very unhealthy and possibly abusive relationship, that the fights and the throwing things and breaking things might be enough to get there, even if the jury doesn't believe the allegations of physical violence. And for the print edition, I think that's all the jury really has to decide. But that headline, 
is very hard. The headline alleging sexual violence. Uh, the last video depot on day 19 and for the week was Jessica Kovacevic. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Who is Amber Heard's agent who was trying to talk about damages and opportunities Amber Heard had lost. The fact that Amber Heard's uh, career did not take the trajectory of the other co-stars of Aquaman like Jason Momoa. But then she also called Aquaman the most successful movie of all time ever. And I lost my mind and the chat got distracted for about 10 minutes as we were talking about what the actual highest grossing or the most successful movies of all time ever were because they weren't Aquaman. Though one of the highest and most successful movies in DC, (laughs) not the most successful movie of all time ever, but her agent got to, you know, there had been an unnamed Amazon project that was lost. Her reputation was difficult. And she also said, it's really hard to know what opportunities you lose because of your reputation and your reputation's been damaged and talked about the difficulty of the opportunities you don't get the lost opportunity because she didn't get dropped from anything other than this unnamed Amazon project. So she said the, you know, Amber Heard's career direct trajectory was going in a certain way. And then when you're in a big movie like Aquaman, you expect it to keep going in that trajectory and hers didn't. And there were these Adam Waldman statements in the middle. And this is the same difficulty Depp has. What caused the damage? Did did the op-ed cause the damage? Did prior articles cause the damage? Did filing for the TRO cause the damage to his reputation? Though I think losing Pirate 6 is closer in time. But then you have Amber Heard's, you know, was it the Waldman statements that caused the problem? Was it the audio that leaked of her, you know, yelling at Johnny Depp that was the problem? Both parties are going to deal with this problem. And I have realized I am missing a few witnesses. That wasn't the last one. (laughs) So I apologize if a few of these are out of order um, from my notes because I missed a few. They also called Detective Sendenga. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, S-E-N-D-A-N-G-A, from LAPD, who's the domestic violence coordinator. And this particular witness from LAPD testified about what officers should do, what traditional protocol is on domestic violence calls. But it all predicated on if officers determine that, you know, an act of domestic violence has occurred. And we've saw three officers testify earlier in this case that they determined that there was no act of domestic violence. and then. There is a secondary protocol where if officers determine that there's not a crime, but there was an act of domestic violence, but something that can't be arrested for, but there is an issue, then they can take not a full report, but a DV incident report that they can keep um, on file so that they have it. If there's future incidents, if there's future calls, they at least have a record. She said that if the officers determined that no crime has occurred and no act of domestic violence has occurred and no incident has occurred, then it would just be in the daily logs, which is what we saw in this case. Then we got to one of the most interesting witnesses who also seemed like the biggest missed opportunity, Ron Chanel. Ron Chanel had the wildest and most impressive tech resume. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I've ever seen one of the, you know, kind of fathers of Unix systems. He was offered a position at NYU at age of 14. He got moved into a graduate program immediately upon entering college. Just a technology super genius. It was really interesting to see him testify. But what he was asked to do was a forensic evaluation of social media hashtags. And I think this witness is a case of, you know, you get out what you put in. 
I think the attorneys did not frame his task well. This is my speculation, but I don't think the attorneys framed his task well. He was asked to look at damaging or negative hashtags, but he didn't have a procedure for how to determine the hashtags. There didn't seem to be much of a procedure at all for determining these things. He seemed to go into the API of Twitter and round up a bunch of hashtags that looked at when they spiked to see if there was a correlation of when they spiked, but he couldn't determine a causation of when they spiked. And he introduced to the jury a few hashtags. Those hashtags were hashtag justice for Johnny Depp, hashtag Amber Turd, and hashtag Amber Heard is an abuser. So on cross-examination, the cross-examining attorney for Depp just asked about hashtag justice for Johnny Depp, hashtag Amber Turd, and hashtag Amber Heard is an abuser over and over and over again. And Amber Heard's team effectively introduced the court of public opinion into the court of law via their own expert showing graphs where the biggest spike on the graphs, so big, in fact, it had to be removed off of one of the graphs, was was hashtag justice for Johnny Depp. And that was around the time of the UK case. These things didn't seem to correlate with Waldman's statements very well. And again, correlation is not causation. And there didn't seem to be much of a scientific process around gathering these things. The most interesting part at the end was the attorney kind of setting up you know, well, do you believe in justice for Johnny Depp? And he's like, well, and he's like, but you believe justice is a good thing. And he, the expert's like, I'm a big fan of justice. And the attorney said, me too, and sat down. And I don't know if it did much good, but the jury now knows about the hashtags. And as I look at my notes, I realized that he also correlated the hashtags and Amber Heard to the words hoax, fake, and fraud. I don't know how they're going to argue this in closing and how it weaves into their position of the case. And the last person I left out whose name I don't even have written down and I would have to go back through my notes and find was the corporate designee from Disney. It was a fairly quick deposition. It was a video deposition. And the reason they called the corporate designee from Disney was to prove that though there were some articles that had been shared around with comment about Johnny Depp, the op-ed had never been shared via email or was in a file anywhere at Disney. I know that Amber Heard's team is going to argue that this shows that Disney didn't have the op-ed on their radar when he lost um, or was not offered Pirates 6. Uh, And we'll see how that goes. I mean, they said it in opening statement that this was not Disney's consideration. And Johnny Depp is arguing that that's part of the damage he suffered for the damages calculation for the jury. But he's also arguing defamation per se, meaning that the defamation and the things that are alleged are so bad that the reputational damage can be found um, even without damages. And we could get a result where the jury finds liability for defamation and finds no damages, which would be a very interesting result. And at the end of all of that, the court gave how much time is left. Johnny Depp's team has 18 hours and 30 minutes left. And Amber Heard's team has eight hours and 14 minutes left. That is a big time disadvantage for Team Heard. The court also made clear on Friday when they were arguing jury instructions that closing arguments, each side will have two hours. Depp will go first, then Heard, then Depp's rebuttal, and then Heard will have like a sir rebuttal really to address just the counterclaims, and that will be it. They will have to apportion their time. We know from Court TV's reporting that the same pairs of attorneys that did opening statement will do closing, completely appropriate. So for Amber Heard, it will be Rottenborn and Elaine. And for Johnny Depp's team, it will be Ben Chu and Camille Vasquez. What I expect to see in the next week is that we will get the rest of Amber Heard's case. We will see uh, her rest her case, a motion to strike or a motion to dismiss. 
of the counterclaim, that actually might be really fiery because the agency theory is hard. Reports from Court TV already say that Johnny Depp's going to be called to the stand on Monday, but there's not much he can testify about because it's attorney-client privilege. He has not waived that privilege. So we will see if they're able to prove this agency theory for the counterclaim to at least a scintilla of evidence where the jury can find or potentially find the counterclaim if they're so inclined to. Then we will get into the rebuttal case and we will see who gets called. We will. We know that we're going to see Whitney Hurd's boss get called by deposition. Will we see the Kate Moss of it all? Will we see a forensic doctor, which is on the witness list, an MD? I assume that would have to be to injury and wouldn't somebody need medical treatment if they described this? And what they'll likely do is just read in Amber Hurd's testimony. Well, all of this was testified to. If all of this happened, what kind of medical injury and treatment would be necessary to disprove, again, the statements, because Amber Heard does not have medical documents. They asked about it quite a lot. She did not seek medical treatment. And I think that's probably what they'll bring that doctor in for. And then we'll see how closing arguments go on May 27th. I'm fascinated. I cannot wait. Um, Closing arguments are my favorite. So be sure to join me on the YouTubes for that. I will be streaming it live all day. Well, all week, but May 27th is going to be fiery. And with that, thank you for being with me for another summary. I mean, it might've gone on a little longer than I anticipated, but thank you for being with me for another summary. I appreciate you. Cheers. Thank you for being honored and say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your family be well. May your gas not be $7 a gallon. May your toilet paper be plentiful and may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being a and I will see you in the next one.